at SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Okay, we'll start by talking cricket then and coach uh, Dave Nosworth has been kind enough to speak to us tonight just to get his thoughts. Coach, good evening and, and thanks for taking our call on SAFM this evening. Yeah, good evening, gents. Good to be on SAFM and uh, it's a bit of a rainy Johannesburg this evening, but uh, let's talk cricket nevertheless. Yeah, when it rains, it pours. That's why we're talking cricket now. <laughs> a lot of people are still disappointed, coach. But for you, what, what disappointed you the most with this exit from the World Cup? Look, I think uh, it's it's always easy to point fingers when things haven't gone well. That's uh, something we must always bear in mind. We were playing some good cricket up until the uh, Netherlands clash. And uh, what makes it worse and really gut-wrenching for all of us uh, passionate South African fans is losing to a team that you would expect to beat 9.9% of the 99.9% of the time. So, so that's, that's what really was concerning for me. Um, you know, that that last hurdle and being in, in the heat of things myself as a coach, um, quite often you expect to win games and you don't, and then you, you do need to reflect and uh, look into into how you could have done better and, and go back into a few things, definitely. And are you able then to share or put your finger on it? How can the team be so brilliant and beat India one day and then lose to the Netherlands in the same tournament, especially in a must-win game? Yeah, I think it's it's so difficult to do because, again, none of us are, are actually in the change room. You do not know what is going down in that change room. You do not know how every player is feel feeling on the day is feeling as though they backed or not. I, I've seen recently somebody like Tobias uh, Bryce Shamsi was felt that he wasn't really backed and supported. And, you know, there's a guy that went into the World Cup, probably one of our frontline spinners, I think, ranked in the top two or three in the world from a, a strike bowler with uh, in the T20 format. And he felt he could have been offering more. So there's one guy in that squad that clearly wasn't necessarily a happy camper. And, um, you know, but again, we're not in that change room. Everyone talks about Risa Hendricks. You know, could he have got more game time? I'm sure he would have been frustrated sitting there. But when you're a squad, you go into a World Cup, you're very tight and you're united. And um, and I would think that, that the guys would have all been pretty focused. Uh, uh, I can only think maybe there was a little bit of a, uh, a lack of intensity on the day. I think Coach Mark, Mark Boucher said he felt that. Um, that was one of his reasonings he gave. And um, perhaps a little bit complacent. But, you know, when you had a World Cup, it's a must-win situation. There's probably no excuses, to be honest. And it's always these times where you can start looking and pointing fingers and looking at this one and that one. But, you know, I, I don't think this is a once-off. We know, as South Africans, mm-hmm. it's happened before. And um, and there are probably a few reasons for that if you if you look back and start really digging up as to why possibly we we don't get across the line at important times. And then how much of it is is, is mental then, coach? Um, because because even even Mark Boucher said after the game against the Dutch that they just seemed to be tense while the Dutch were free, they had nothing to play for, and they seemed to want to prove a point and and, and beat the Proteas. Then how much of it is mental now at this stage? Because clearly they've got better better cricketers than the Dutch. Yeah, I think it's been mental for a while. To be honest, I think um, 
the the teams that go, you you sort of aware of of the banana peel that you can slip on at any stage. And the Netherlands was a massive banana peel. Everybody must have been thinking, "Wow, it's a must win." We expected so that, that you add that extra mental pressure. And um, and I think uh, you know I'll, I'll go back in our history where. I've I've never been convinced that we've really gone to a World Cup where our players have all known their exact roles, have known their exact positions. Um, quite often we go to World Cups and even a month before, we're still messing around a little bit with batting orders and bowling combinations and, and all these things. And I think if a team goes to a World Cup, this is my own humble opinion, mm. a team goes to a World Cup you know your your position. You know your role. Um, there's a lot more confidence in that side. You're not worried about that banana peel. You just fly straight over it. And and I think we got as close as ever um, to knowing what the coaches wanted for this team in terms of the combinations and the batting order and better than previous World Cups. And go and have a look at our last World Cup in England where in the 50 overs, the ODIs, uh, I think every game the lineup was different. Mm. Um, we got as close as possible here to to doing that, but I was still not convinced we had done it for long enough. There were still combinations we were playing with, and and that's that's something in my life. I've I've always given players those extra games to build confidence, even if they were out of form. And I was criticised many times for giving them that extra game and keep going, because confidence breeds massive mental toughness and uh, in a side where you confident you tend to fly through these types of situations so possibly there was a bit of doubt possibly there was that complacency and uh, let's take nothing away from the netherlands either they they're a dangerous little side in their own way and they played well on the day and those South Africans, they had had something to prove against the Proteas. And and then if it is maybe a mental block at World Cups, coach, um, whose responsibility is it to make sure the players are in the right frame of mind, right mental state? Is that what you do as a coach? Do you bring in somebody from the outside? How do you deal with it as a coach? Yeah, I think, uh, like I was saying, it's, it's not a quick fix. It's something that comes from uh, a year or two back as you build yourself up into a World Cup. And if it's a sports psychologist that is your part of your method that you have somebody on board with you that's reminding the players you look at the indian side using somebody like paddy upton one of Mm. our own Mm. he he's brilliant in terms of getting rid of any doubt he's brilliant at creating that confidence and um you know people like that it doesn't have to be a sports psychologist it's it's really somebody who's got the the cricketing now and understanding of what it requires to to keep believing and trusting in yourself. So if, if that's part of your process, that's great. But my point is it's, it's got to be consistently done for a long period because that's how players uh, become confident, how they believe in themselves. So looking at the short term, last week, last month, little things um, is not necessarily the way I would approach it. I'm a big fan of looking back and back and start start digging a bit deeper as to who the characters were, who the people are that have been in the process of putting this all together. Is it the same people, the same people as you go back 10, 11 World Cups? 
Um, is there space for something new, something fresh, different idea as you build forward into your next World Cup? So, so it's not necessarily for me unpacking what happened against Netherlands. Mm. What happened, happened. It's more, more for me about going a little bit further back and seeing what the process was to get there. And, and this is probably something that you would like then in this review that CSA say they're going to be doing um, after this World Cup now in this post-mortem that they must go back and take these things into account. Yeah, definitely. I'm quite interested. Um, I heard Enoch was saying that he's going to put a, a review into place, which is, is good. But again, it can't be a review on this World Cup. It needs to be, in my mind, a review of the last four years a review of the last six World Cups, because after every one of those World Cups, there was a review. In fact, I've sat in some of those reviews and I contributed to some of those reviews. And uh, as franchise cricket coaches, we contributed. We had our thoughts, we had our processes. Whether or not those have been followed through on, we need to go back and look. Because, you know, you've got to dig up the foundations if you keep trying to build on foundations that are not strong enough for your building, you know what's going to happen. It's going to wobble and it's going to collapse every time. So for me, it's about going further back than one would think. Unpacking, no witch hunt. That's the last thing you want in these types of situations is to try and witch hunt people because you can get very defensive. And um, But be honest and open. And if we're not honest and open as to where we are, how we can move forward, well, you must probably never get to the right answers. And and in these reviews that you've been part of, Coach, would you say there's a common denominator? Or is there a pattern that you would have picked up? There's probably a pattern. And one of the patterns I alluded to was the fact for me that you go to World Cups and you don't always know your best 11, what those combinations are. And go through some World Cups as you go back. And I know they talk about horses for courses and making sure if it's on a quick bouncy wicket, you're playing no spinner or whatever, maybe four seamers on an all-rounder. I understand those those things as a coach because you do that. Um, but I, I think you can narrow things down a lot deeper if you want to um, and find your best 11. And your best 11 should be able to perform on any surface or in any situation. Once you know that, you can obviously mix and match a little bit from one or two players. But, um, you know, I've, I've looked back and you go to some of the teams that have played in the past and it's easy for me to sit here and be critical. I, w- I wasn't there. Um, but at, there were quite a lot of different thought patterns going through who was ever finalising those sides before they went onto the field. And at the highlight to me was the last World Cup when we were in England. You know, we, we didn't play well at all. And I, I think the players were very unsure there wasn't much confidence and uh, came back to haunt us a little bit okay before i go to the voice note coach we've, we've touched a lot on on selection here and um the the big talk obviously with this recent world cup is the selector showing faith in the captain despite him being off form you've mentioned there is that didn't play and 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 i was actually following those tweets of tabre shamsi on sunday during the final between pakistan and england where he was talking about how they backed adil rashid who had taken two wickets before the final but also but came good in the final and tabre's i think had picked up 
three wickets in he only played two matches but he taken three wickets in those two matches and he felt like he wasn't backed enough uh, which uh, Victor Pitsang by the way has come out to comment and say he's very disappointed that Tabriz Shamsi went on Twitter instead of speaking to them but but it seems like there's a lot they got wrong here is that correct to say that when it comes to selection they didn't get it right in this World Cup Again, I'll, I'll say, and maybe you think I'm sitting on the fence here, but I know, having been in those change rooms, that we never know what was discussed. We don't know the vibe. We don't know the situation. Um, Shamsi could well have gone and knocked on the selector's door and asked questions. And, you know, I've had that in my life many times. with players have come and said to me, what do I need to do? Why aren't I in the mix? But it works both ways. As many times I've had to go to the player and say, hey, hang in there. Your chance is coming. Or... We don't think it's the right time now. So communication's two ways, I think. And um, to sit here and criticise Victor or Mark or Temba or anybody, they, they need to be part of that review and an honest review in terms of unpack a little bit, tell us what happened, how, how did it go down. And I reckon it will go back to possibly months and years back in terms of trying to plan as far ahead as possible, which they would have. They would have sat and done, but did they get their combinations right? Did, did the Maharaj, was he their man ahead of a Shamsi? Did Shamsi come into form closer towards the World Cup in all these T20 leagues around the world where he's performed so well, where Keshav Maharaj doesn't necessarily play in all of those? So that's a discussion on its own in terms of the spin combinations to go with your quickies because we've got a really top load of quick bowlers. So, so there's a lot of depth that you need to unpack, and to just pin it on anybody, probably a little bit unfair. But right now, while we wait for the review, um, Coach Noz, then should, who, who should be taking responsibility for this failure then? Because it is a failure after all, and we can have reviews and reviews and reviews, but it just doesn't seem like anybody is taking responsibility. Well, look, in, in my lifetime, um, it was always the coach. The, when you lose, it's the coach, and when you win, it's the players, isn't it? That <laughs> yeah. are the heroes. That's how it works. So I've taken a lot of slack in my life, and there's times I've watched my players succeed, which has been awesome. So, so the coach has to take some flack. Unfortunately, he's accountable ultimately, as well as the convener of selectors. Between the two of them, I would think there would have been a massive influence in terms of how the team operated. But again, I don't know behind the scenes how much influence was had by other selectors, by the director of cricket. I would have thought that Enoch's had much to do. He's pretty new in the job. Mm-hmm. don't know what his influence was in those spaces at the time. But definitely the coach and the convener need to put their hand up and say, let's reflect. Um, not necessarily saying, it's all my fault. We messed it up. Because there are also players involved. Perhaps players didn't perform Perhaps there was a situation in the side where guys were unhappy. There's a lot of dynamics. And uh, in, a, in a successful side, the chemistry is always really good. Um, and those are the things you need to unpack a little bit better. Yeah. And, and does it mean the former director of cricket, Grim Smith, must also then be part of these discussions if we were going back because he had a heavy involvement in this team before obviously leaving the position? I definitely include somebody like uh, Smithy in it. Um, he must have had influence over the last couple of years building up. He appointed a lot of these guys with himself and a guy like Corey von Sale um, behind the scenes. They would have had influence in in the whole process along the line over the over the last few years. 
and and perhaps they should be guys that are brought in to sort of ask how how do you think things went, what can we learn, and and Smithy's got one of the the better cricket brains in the world, so you know you would want to tap into that anyway, and why not? It doesn't mean to say they're running the review, but I would I would think that anybody that was involved before some of the high performance coaches, some of the franchise coaches. Get some input, collective input. There's no right or wrong here. And then find your pathway and ensure then have some real dynamics that come out of it that you know for the next World Cup we're going to give ourselves a better chance again. We have to keep putting the next foot in front of the next. We can't sit back here and all collapse on the C word. Um, we've got to move forward. We've got to keep fighting. And, and I still, I, I'm praying in my lifetime, I'll see, still see us lift the trophy. Okay, and the World Cups are coming in thick and fast now. I mean, there's another World Cup next year, ODI World Cup in India, and there will be another T20 World Cup uh, very shortly also because that's where the game is going now. We don't have to wait four years now for a World Cup. We are speaking to Coach Dave Nosworthy and we do welcome your reaction 0614104107. We've just called him uh, just to get his thoughts on what went wrong and the way forward as far as the Proteas and South African cricket is concerned. So let's... Oh, we've got the clip actually of Victor Pizang responding to, to Shamsi. Let's play that before we go to the voice note. Well, I, I've actually... It's disappointing to hear that from, 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 from Shamo because um, I was on tour with him and mm. if there were issues that he could have... He, he, he was more than welcome to come have a chat with me about that. Um, I think at the end of the day, when, when the team was selected and the bowling attack was selected, um, you know, it was best suited for uh, for the conditions that the team played. I, and I'm very disappointed to hear that from Shemal mm. uh, because um, I was there and, and obviously my door's always open for anybody to have issues. And if I'm there and the coach is there, we can have that conversation about that. Okay, hopefully they can still have that conversation then. But let's go to the voice notes now. Um, good evening, uh, Tabisa. Good evening to uh, Coach Dave Nosweth. I respect you a lot, Coach. I mean, Tabiso, that is the most, I think, for me, one of the most experienced coaches in South Africa. He's coached the Titans, the Lions, he's coached in New Zealand, England. You know, he's currently the uh, head of cricket at St. David's Mariston in under in, in, in Santon. So he's the most, one of the most experienced coaches. And I, I don't believe uh, Coach Dave is being utilized well in South African cricket. In fact, I expected him to be part of the panel that is doing this review. Are you part of the panel, in fact, Coach? Because I think you're one of the best uh, 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 brains going around in South African cricket. And if you look at what the West Indies have done, they've brought in Mickey Arthur, a former South African coach. They've brought in Brian Lara. They've brought in a former retired judge. So you can see they take this very... So it's going to be... I want to know, in fact, who is part of that panel, uh, Tabiso? And then the last question, uh, Mr. Dave Nosworthy, in terms of uh, schools cricket, what do you think must be done at school? Our schools um, players, are they well equipped uh, in terms of really, for me, stepping up to professional cricket? Because I think that is where is the problem. Thanks, Tabiso. Evening, man. Some animals are more equal than others. That's why you find that Malik Boucher did not even have the decency to come back and answer to the nation. I mean, he's the coach of the Proteas, for goodness sake. Yes, he resigned before the World Cup, but he was supposed to come back and give us the report. What is CSA doing? Is he going to give them the report? Is he not? What's going on? Like, no one is accountable. They failed. They choked. Again. You know, embarrassing. 
Good evening, SAFM. It's uh, Mandela in Deep Slot. I watched uh, the semi-final of England when Ben Stokes was betting slow for the team and doing it for the team and making sure that he'll be there in the end. He's done the same thing in the final. The very same Ben Stokes, who is a hard hitter like Quentin de Kock. But we have players like Quentin de Kock who plays the way they want. Uh, it's only for them. It's nice when it's coming out, but it puts the team in the problem. We have players who are not team players, who do not support even the vision of, of this transformation. Uh, again, uh, I want to say, let's bring Lance Clues now, who's highly welcoming, even in black society, who understand the culture, and make Ashwell Prince uh, the, 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 the Red Bull uh, coach. Lance Klusner, white ball coach. Hi, Tabiso. And the coach there. Hey, we always have these problems every time when we come back to these World Cups. Hey, I think uh, if I was using my own diagnosis on this situation, I would apply and say, let us slaughter a cow and cleans ourselves because the way things that are unfolding in South Africa, hey, it seems like we'll reach a point whereby we'll end up competing at, at that spot number eight, number nine, competing against Bangladesh, West Indies, Zimbabwe. Because we keep on repeating the same mistakes. Each and every four, four years, five years, we're repeating the same mistake. It's Mtutuzeli, Apesati, Queenstown. Hi, good evening, Tabiso. This is Ace in Piri. See, gentlemen, if you are going to shy away from the truth, you won't get this thing right of the, of the protest. Two people are not supposed to take to the World Cup. It's the coach and the captain. I take the blame, I put both on them. Since, 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 since I've been saying this, I've been saying this since from the World Cup started. Where are, why are we taking timber to, to the World Cup? And it fell on deaf ears. Thanks. Bye. Hi, hi guys. Gracious always, gracious always. Uh, the cricket, the cricket debacle, the chukas, I'm, I'm sorry to say this because I think sometimes it's unfair on them because if you are an individual and then you have to like how many how many of us in South Africa in their workplace are, are performing up to our optimum standards? I would say one two percent of us, but it's fine. Anyways, I wanted to speak to speak about Temba Bavuma. You know, this status quo thing. I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm a black person. I'm Derek, by the way. I'm a black person. But what's been done, Temba Bavuma, I'm sorry, guy, I love you, dude, I love you. But you are a test and maybe an ODI player, not a 2020 player. I'm sorry, guys, not a 2020 player, not a 2020 player. So I don't know why he was chosen. I don't know. I'm sorry. Okay, thanks for those. Let me just go to the lines quickly. Colin has called us from Cape Town. Good evening, Colin. Uh, good evening and good evening to Dave. You know something? The selectors, number one, should take a hammering, take the blame. And 
The captain himself, Tenda, is part of the selection. Why did he not excuse himself for the sake of the country? Rizzo Hendricks played a fantastic game in his absence. But as soon as he comes back, being the captain, he must go, uh, come back in, in the team. And another thing too is this, Dave. I agree. You don't experiment on combinations and bowlers and things like that a month or so before the World Cup. The rest of the world have their starting 15 or whatever it is months ahead. Now, we always drag our feet in this country. Yeah, rugby is the same. Before a uh, 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 tour, we're experimenting, looking for combinations. Good grief, man. What are you looking for? Just get the best team the out team, there. <laughs> the team ready. And if I, as Dave says, if I go down a bit, they're going to pick up their form, put them together for six months or so like that, mm. and get to understand each other. And another thing, the coach cannot tell a player what strokes to play and how to play. They get out with stupid, silly shots. Okay, some, of them, some of them... Okay, some of them want to hit the first ball they face for six. But okay, thanks for those voice notes, though, on a serious note. Um, Coach Noz, what about the situation of Mark Boucher? Were you surprised that first that he didn't come back with the team, even though he has resigned and is no longer in, in the role, but he chose to go on holiday? Yeah, look, uh, uh, I'm sure Mark needs that holiday, rest assured. I've been in that space. Um, personally, I was I was quite surprised... And, and I love love Mark as a person, as a coach. He's had some tough times, and we all know that. But uh, I was surprised that he announced that he would leave uh, before we even went to the World Cup. Personally, I think that could have waited till afterwards. Um, and for he did it for whatever reasons. That's fine. Um, and then you know it doesn't. You don't go to a World Cup with that sort of hanging over your head. You're actually leaving anyway. So that's something to consider as well. But um, the fact that he didn't come home with the team, you know, um, I don't know the details behind what was permitted, what wasn't permitted. I heard you guys speaking earlier about Graham Smith doing a similar thing when I think he went off to see uh, his girlfriend at the time in Ireland. Mm. And that took a little bit of pressure as well. And, And again, I think in this space, when the team hasn't performed as well as it should have, uh, easy to point fingers. Um, perhaps a little bit more detail um, behind the scenes, we might understand better. There's, there's been there have been a lot of comments about the captain Temba Bavuma, and and as far as I know, the policy has always been that if a senior player that had a spot is injured, he will always walk back into the team. Uh, but um, somebody was suggesting that maybe he should have just said that he he doesn't want to play. Whose call is that? Does he make that call, or do the selectors need to be brave and make these bold decisions? Yeah, well, look, I, I think we mustn't forget that Temba was announced as captain quite a long time ago. That's the one thing they did do. They made him the captain of the T20 side months ago. If not Was it the ago. right decision, in your opinion, coach, um, so the, to be captain so of the T20 team? Yeah. So at the time, you know, Temba, if you go and have a look at some of his stats, he was doing okay. Um, and he was captaining, uh, sort of stood up as, as one of the leaders in the side at the time. Mm. Some of our current players in that side, a guy like... Um, 
Uh, Aidan Markram has, has captained before, didn't want to do it again. Quinton de Kock's done it, he didn't want to do it again. Um, so Timber, clearly within the leadership group, had something and they, they took that risk way before the World Cup. So just let's remember that. Got injured, went away. Um, I know he was very frustrated at the time, trying to ensure he rehabbed his elbow. Um, went away with the Lions on a preseason tour, did well there. Uh, got some little bit of form thrown back into the mix as the leader of the group. Again, this needs to be unpacked. The question for me is how did he fit back in? Was it the right decision from the leadership, which is the coach, the convener of selectors, the director of cricket, to fit back in? Those are some of the things you need to unpack. And as we all know, and, and I think Timber's a really good cricketer and I, I back and support him, he might not be the best T20 cricketer in terms of statistics, and you go and have a look at some of those. And let's be honest, Timber will be the first and has been the first to put his hand up and say, I've had a shocker. Um, I know as a player, sometimes you, you're going on and you're just saying, I'm gonna, it's going to come, it's going to come. Where sometimes as a coach, because I know that side too, I've been on that side of the fence, you need to go or the convener needs to go and say, buddy, it's now time to take a seat. Let's give somebody else a run. Take the pressure off you. And and that's that's a tough thing to do, to go and have that conversation. I've had to have them before. But it, it sometimes has to be done in the interest of the team, but also that player. Because that player, as a player trying to make a living out of cricket, you keep believing in yourself. You keep thinking it's coming, it's coming. Keep working harder. And sometimes the harder you work, the tougher it gets. So it's, it's a really tough situation and, and whirlpool to be in as a player where the, the whirlpool's not going up, it's coming down and it's getting worse and it's spinning faster. And the pressures in those situations are massive. Add a World Cup to it. Add the media pressure to it. Uh, I feel a lot for Temba having gone through what he's gone through the last few months. And it's going to be really interesting to see how he as an individual comes out of this. He is a, He's not a bad cricketer because of this. And uh, he's the sort of character I know very well that will come back fighting. But that doesn't mean we can't go and look a little bit deeper into how we could have perhaps dealt with that situation better, learn from it. And again, the next World Cup, we've got to be a lot sharper as to how we manage these situations. And there was another question, Coach, about whether you'd be keen to be part of the panel again this time around. I must check my voice notes. I haven't seen anything <laughs> at this stage. Um, maybe I'm not listening on purpose. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think my, I, I've always had a passion for Cricket South Africa. It's my, my nation, my players. I, I never like to criticize any player. I think everyone's giving their absolute best, especially when you go to a World Cup. But um, I, I've always I'd said it to you guys earlier, this must not be a witch hunt. It needs to be smart, it needs to be systematic, and, and it needs to be just sort of dug into a little bit as to why and how can we improve. Take all those collective results from previous um, uh, reviews done and, and keep moving forward. So, yeah, I, I don't think I'd, 
I've put turned my back on it, but uh, I'm not holding my breath. Put it that way. And and then when we spoke to the director of cricket in Okunkwe a couple of weeks ago, he did confirm, oh no, it was actually the CEO, he did confirm that they're looking to split the coaching roles into two. I know somebody mentioned names there. Is this a wise move then to have a red ball and a white ball coach? Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that being bandied about and I've got my opinion on it and, and that is that I think it can work. The, the big question, and again, before it gets answered, and I think Enoch is leaning towards it, um, I'm, I'm hoping he's taken into consideration that if one looks ahead, um, for example, at our test fixtures coming up, in the next four or five years, we've got the least number of tests we've ever had in our life. Mm. So you're going to employ a red ball cricket coach for maybe five or six test matches, or ever my name is, how many series is. As long as that Darwin is appointed, his role is actually doing something else at the same time. It might be coming back down to uh, South African A-sides, to South African in the 19s, to schools, getting around and doing a wider job, not just going on six, seven tours in the next five years, because that, uh, that fixture list is looking very scarce in terms of uh, test match cricket, which is very sad, to be honest. And the same for the white ball coach. You know, he'll be working a lot more and a lot harder. Um, so they, they need to work in tandem if you don't have separate coaches. Um, whether you're a white ball specialist coach or red ball, I don't believe in that. I think coaches are, are able to cross over and do either. But if you're going to have two to split the workload, which would be the, the, the sensical thing to do in today's modern game, um, I do believe the red ball coach will have a lot less on his plate and that time just needs to be used really well to support the white ball coach but at the same time ensure that you're finding your depth and your um your, your young players and the right people for the future so that would need to be in place for me and then i'd be happy Okay, Coach, we're happy with your insight and your analysis. We just have to leave it here because of time. Can't get through all the questions, but thanks for the insight and for being able to speak to us tonight on SFM. We really appreciate your input, and that's why Libra was saying you're one of the most respected coaches in South African cricket and even overseas. Uh, you were at Somerset, right, as the director? Well, was it director of cricket? Yeah, yeah. I was at Somerset. Loved it. Yeah. Somerset, the former Somerset director of cricket, uh, Coach Dave Nosworthy. Thanks for speaking to us, Coach. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, gents, and uh, keep up the good work. There's no better game than cricket, so much appreciate it. <laughs> Cheers. Okay, got to agree with you there, coach. Um, and now, let's all, folks, let's think about it now. Where does Mark Boucher leave this white ball team? Eh? ODI team struggling to qualify, automatic qualification for the World Cup in India. Next day, they might have to go through the qualifiers in Zimbabwe. T20 team fell dismally at the World Cup, and I fell for the guy who's coming in next. And um, I know a lot's been said about his decision to announce his retirement, I mean, sorry, his resignation before the World Cup. But if you listen to people closer to the action, it actually seems like it was about to come out in the media. It seems like the media had picked it up that he was actually leaving the team and he was going to the IPL. And that's why he thought, okay, let the media not beat me to it. Let me make the announcement myself whether it was the right decision or not.